Hello there and welcome along to Egyptian Dream, a Planet Sport Football Africa production for Passion for Sport, focusing on the Africa Cup of Nations 2019. Well, we're all done and dusted for another edition and Algeria have been crowned the 2019 champions. I'm Adrian Barnard and in today's final edition of Egyptian Dream we'll be looking back at the highlights and memories of AFCON 2019 with journalists Ida Waringa in Kenya and Solomon Izang Ashoms in South Africa and we'll be sharing your thoughts on this year's competition. So it's time for reflection now as we look back on this year's Cup of Nations. We're joined now by Ida Waringa and Solomon Izang Ashoms. And uh, AFCON 2019 has been a very different tournament from previous editions. We've had 24 teams competing for the first time, a longer competition over four weeks to accommodate that. And uh, we've had the competition taking place in June and July rather than in January and February as in the past. So on this basis then, uh, Ida, let me start with you. Would you say that uh, AFCON 2019 has been a success? It's one of those questions that doesn't have a single answer because there are so many angles to look at it from. And when we talk about the change of date, I, for one, felt it was quite, quite necessary because we had seen the club versus country row for quite a few years when we talk about the big time European sides really not willing to let go of their players around the January, February period. So there are those who argued that Africa was pandering to the European leagues. And Adrian, while a bit of idealism is okay, at some point I felt we did have to get a bit more practical and try and align ourselves with the leagues globally. On the flip side, however, some of the players were dealing with with tired legs. For example, Nigeria's Kenneth Omeruo admitted to this. And even with a player like Sadio Mane, you could tell that he was absolutely knackered. And we were trying to count the number of competitions he has played in in the last two years because he got to the Champions League final twice. He, of course, took part in the ever intense English Premier League. Don't forget, he took part in the World Cup as well. And not to mention the numerous tournaments, for example, the FA Cup. I mean, the player was visibly exhausted during the Nations Cup. Yes, and uh, not only Sadio Mane, was it, uh, Ida? Uh, Riyad Mahrez of Algeria and uh, Egypt's Mo Salah, they also had very long demanding seasons with their clubs and that uh, clearly affected their performances too. Uh, Solomon, uh, turning to you then, uh, would you say that uh, this edition of AFCON has been a success? I think the AFCON 2019 has been a success in many different ways you know it was really good to see uh, a competition that has 24 teams competing for the very first time and through that we got to see you know uh, countries like Burundi coming in for the first time Madagascar coming in for the first time and quite a couple of these teams actually gave uh, you know the stronger so-called stronger teams a good run for their money so it, I think it, it gives them opportunity to also gather experiences and uh, also to show that, you know, there are teams that could uh, really compete if given the chance, if this, uh, you know, numbers of uh, the number of uh, teams to compete in the 
uh, AFCON is, is increased, and and now we've seen it being increased to 24 teams, and we've we've seen teams that that are, that are really competing. Some of them coming in for the very first time, and some of them coming in uh, for the first time in a very long time. You know, yeah, teams like uh, the Kenyan national team, the Harambe Stars. So it was really good, and uh, it, it was a bit longer, definitely. Uh, I'm just thinking if the four weeks, you know, in itself is not too much, uh, you know, for uh, for 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 players, especially European-based African players who came uh, through a very tough uh, task-sucking uh, uh, season, where they played in either German league or the English league or uh, the, the 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 Spanish La Liga, uh, coming in and playing again. You know, I, I wonder if if we could, you know make it three weeks or make it like three and a half weeks because uh, you know when the season is over every single day is important for the player to be able to recuperate and really uh, get some sort of rest before the commencement of a new season I, I don't know if you know the the date that was slated for the start in june and the end in july i don't know if that is the appropriate time of this window but definitely is uh it's been a blessing in disguise because there is no sort of a world cup or any major tournament around the corner that would uh, you know, uh, deny football fans seeing the best of the crop of African players and for them to show their hands up. Yeah, it's been great to see teams that we haven't seen in AFCON for a few years are taking part now, isn't it? And, and those there for the first time as well with that expanded formula. But the question about the timing of the competition is, is going to rumble on because we do have this issue, don't we, with players playing particularly in Europe who have long demanding seasons turning up on what is supposed to be the continent's top competition, but they're exhausted. So perhaps some work to be done there. And uh, Ida, your thoughts on the low attendances that we saw on television? We can't go without talking about the low attendance at the stadiums, which was quite disappointing to witness. And especially starting off in the group stage, going all the way to around the quarterfinals, because at least with the semis and the actual final, that was a bit better in terms of attendance now focusing on the opener in particular it was amazing to watch there were some reports coming in that the stadium had filled about you know four to five hours well before kickoff but the fact that there wasn't heavy fandom when egypt wasn't playing was quite disappointing and you know it's always been said that it's very very expensive to travel around africa and while that may be granted i will have to say that the fan ID ticketing system could also have been better executed either by the local organizing committee or the Confederation of African Football depending on who was in charge of it but the final itself was organized quite well I watched it live from the stadium the closing ceremony was brilliantly executed and the crowd was actually quite sizable and the atmosphere as well was quite electric uh, yeah, it certainly was. So some pointers there for CAF to take on board before the next edition in two years' time in Cameroon. On the ticketing side, it would be great, wouldn't it, for us watching on television to see the terraces absolutely filled with fans. Let's hope that that can be taken on board. All right then, uh, Solomon, can we turn now to your particular highlights from this year's competition? For me, the highlights, you know, there's been quite a lot. I think one of the highlights for me was the Madagascan national team competing for the very first time in its history. 
you know, and getting all the way to, uh, you know, the, 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 the quarterfinals. I think that's for me, that's just a highlight. No one, I never gave them a chance. You know, I felt they coming in as rookies. They're just going to compete, do their best, gather some experience. Uh, but, you know, they went beyond, uh, you know, the imagination of even football fans back, back in Madagascar. I'll tell you what, uh, Adrian, back in, in, in Madagascar, the whole country was watching the, the national team. Nothing as such has happened in, in football, uh, you know, in the history of Madagascar. And we also have to remember the Madagascan league in itself is not a professional league. It's just an amateur league. You know, most of the players play here in South Africa. Some of them play out in Zambia and Zimbabwe. Uh, but it was just, just so good to see not just the way that they got to the quarterfinals, but the way that they played. They were so committed to it. Every one of them was really out there and competing and making sure that they do their best uh, to be able to, to get uh, true to this round. And and I think also they, there was so much self-belief in the Madagascan team. I think they were one team that was, had so much belief. They believed they could get you know to the final even though they'd never got to the final but I think they believed played a, a you know a huge role and they've given their nation belief they've given football fan beliefs that look you can believe in anything even if you are the underdog you can still go out there believe in your abilities and compete and really get a good result uh, yeah and I just wonder Solomon as we've been talking about the uh, heavy schedules of some of the top players that performed at AFCON who have had busy seasons with their clubs in Europe, for example, the fact that that didn't apply to the Madagascan players, whether they may have been more fresh and saw this as an opportunity, it certainly be something that the other teams will be looking at in future editions of AFCON, perhaps the teams that aren't expected to do so well, looking at the opportunities that they will have to make an effect on the international stage. Uh, OK, Ida, over to you now. What for you were some of the highlights? Way too many moments to choose from here, Adrian. I think first and without a doubt has to be the Madagascar team. And I would imagine that this is a shared opinion amongst many because the Malagasy made everyone believe. I remember right before the tournament, there was lots of conversation on, you know, comparison between this Africa Cup of Nations and the World Cup from 2018 in Russia. And lots of people asking who was going to be the Iceland of the Afghan. And, you know, what a performance from the Barrea. And, you know, they were fearless. And I think credit goes to them for lighting up the Nations Cup. Their reception back home was very, very deserving of such an incredible performance. Well, I don't think there's much doubt that we all agree with uh, that, Ida. And uh, for you, another highlight was the performance of the eventual winners. Algeria will also make the list for me because the Desert Foxes really, really came out and gave their all. And I will have to say that they were thoroughly deserving of the title. They were the strongest team from the start. And what was so impressive about Belmadi's team is that they went the entire tournament unbeaten. Now, that was making a very, very heavy statement because they showed their intent all the way right from the start, at the get-go, all the way to the end. And as I said earlier, credit does have to go to Jamal Belmadi because he's an incredibly tactically astute coach. And, you know, it also helps that he's backed by an amazing team that's full of talent. I mean, Algeria was just a well-oiled machine. Yes, certainly a well-oiled machine indeed. And a particular match perhaps that caught your attention, Ida? On a personal note, 
I will have to say that the Kenya versus Tanzania game was a huge highlight for me. You know, sure thing, might not have had way too many ramifications on the tournament, but on the eastern side of Africa, it's weeks later and many are still talking about this game, saying that it was definitely one of the best games of the competition so far, especially when we talk about the sheer entertainment value. It was end-to-end -end stuff and of course for my country, Kenya, to eventually have won it 3-2 was also quite amazing. Well, we'll allow you that uh, little indulgence there. I'd, uh, yes, congratulations indeed to the Harambee Stars for winning that local rival derby. And uh, the goal scorers caught your attention as well. Nigeria's Odion Egalo also impressed and he did make a new record by becoming the first player to become both the highest goal scorer in the AFCON qualifiers and also at the AFCON itself. He scored seven goals during the qualifiers and five goals during the Nations Cup. So I think that was a tremendous achievement. And uh, finally, among the highlights for you, Ida, now you were in Egypt for part of the competition. What else would you like to bring us? There were all the amazing stories that came out of the Nations Cup. I got to interview a young blind volunteer who is a Liverpool diehard who got the chance to interview Sadio Mane and also got the chance to sit down with Alex Iwobi and this was at his first Nations Cup. He was so thrilled to have sat down with some of his favorite footballers and it was an amazing thing to witness. There are also some player stories that have had such a huge impact, at least on me personally. One is of Ugandan crane striker Patrick Kadu. Now he went from sleeping in shop verandas, making chapatis to earn a living in Kampala, to playing in the Nations Cup. And let's not forget that his goal is what qualified the cranes to the Afghan. So all this shows you the power of football. Yes, some great highlights there. Ida and Solomon, thank you for that. Now I'd like to turn to you, Solomon, at this stage. You're a Nigerian living in South Africa. So what has been the reaction to the Super Eagles winning third place in this year's AFCON, both in the light of the high expectations from the fans and the fact that, uh, looking back, Nigeria failed to qualify for the past two editions? A lot was expected of the Super Eagles, uh, but getting to the semifinals and losing a 1-2 against Algeria, who became the eventual winners, was some sort of a consolation for football fans, you know, knowing that Algeria, uh, the, you know, the, the winners of the AFCON 2019 were the team that beat Nigeria. So it was some sort of a consolation. And Nigeria also beating Tunisia in that third place playoff and, and getting the third place match, the, the winning the third place match is important uh, for them to be able to win something uh, because they've not been uh, around for the last two editions uh, you know not so much was suspected of them to be honest uh, and the coach was given a, a target of getting to uh, the, the, the the semi-final which is what, what he did and and I feel it is important for football fans to look at things that way and for Nigerian football fans to enjoy that and look at things that way. Okay Solomon so uh, perhaps some realistic expectations from the Nigerian Football Federation there. They achieved the target of reaching the semi-finals. Perhaps fans would have expected a little bit more, but maybe a dose of realism there. Let me switch across now to you then, Ida. Now, as we've already heard, the Harambee Stars beat neighbours and rivals Tanzania this year to win the bragging rights between the two. But neither team was able to progress past the group stages. But considering that this was Kenya's first appearance at the Cup of Nations since 2004, how are Kenyans assessing their contribution to AFCON 2019? 
Kenya has a lot to work on, Adrian. Unfortunately, there was lots that went wrong with the Harambe Stars before they even headed to the Nations Cup. From controversial squad selection to what was quite a dubiously decided three-week pre-Afghan camp in France, and the cold weather there was actually the total opposite of the climate in Cairo, meaning the team didn't even get a chance to acclimatize to the hot weather. And that's why otherwise able players such as Simba's Francis Kahata were exiting the game sometimes even before the halftime whistle, drenched in sweat, clearly out of fitness. And this happened twice with this particular player. We as journalists back home asked many, many questions that somehow never got answered in quite the satisfactory manner. The Harambe Stars actually used up a budget of close to $2.5 million for the Afghan, Adrian. That was one of the highest budgets out of the East African countries that qualified, yet its effect was not tangible. Frankly, there wasn't much difference between now and the last time that Kenya took part in the Nations Cup, meaning that little has been learned along the way from mistakes. Now, while it was amazing to qualify for the country's first Afghan in 15 years, we really can't hide behind that veil as to the shortcomings of the team. And it's simple, Adrian, we really have to do better next time round. Oh, thanks for that, Ida. Some hard talking there. Uh, Kenya need to improve dramatically if they're going to make a better impression in AFCON 2021. That'll be in Cameroon. All right, Solomon, we've talked about the Super Eagles and your feelings on that as a Nigerian. We've also mentioned, of course, that you are based in South Africa. So what's been the reaction in South Africa to Bafana Bafana's competition? Do the fans there feel that the team reached their full potential? Bafana Bafana was really disappointing, you know, based on the mood of the football fans back in, in, in South Africa. Uh, a lot of them really felt that the coach should uh, be fired because the way they played the first two games uh, against Namibia and Morocco, uh, it was uh, not the team that the, the, the fans were expecting, uh, not the way the, the fans were expecting them to play. Uh, and the way they, they lost to Morocco and the way they played safe and how they even got to the you know to the round of 16 which is almost like through the back door because of uh, you know they only got three points but they also got in there so uh, they, they just felt you know it wasn't just, just the right moment but obviously they, they now had to play Egypt and they, they won against Egypt which you know skyrocketed the confidence of, of football fans and you know on the team and then they got to the quarterfinal and lost uh, against Nigeria 1-2 and, and that was just it you know, and the way they played in against Egypt was not the way they played in against Nigeria. So football fans were really questioning their tactics and and the abilities of the coach. So the mood was, uh, you know, it's not been great. And uh, they're just saying, look, Bafana Bafana is. We shouldn't expect much from Bafana Bafana. But the football association is really trying to encourage people and say, look, they believe in the coach. Well, Solomon, Ida, thank you very much indeed for those insights as to the performances of the Super Eagles, Bafana Bafana and Kenya. Some very thought-provoking comments there from you. Thank you very much indeed for that and indeed for your contributions throughout this Egyptian Dream podcast series. So let's now turn to your thoughts, the, the comments that you've been sending in about AFCON 2019. And now we've been asking for you what have been the highlights of this year's edition and what perhaps have been the moments in AFCON 2019 that you will remember in the years to come. Well, we'll start with Mustafa Toure in Malaysia and Mustafa says 
Egypt's early exit from the showpiece kept me wondering until now. It shows how much the African nations have developed in their football. Before AFCON, no nation dared to match Egypt, who were the clear favourites. Samba Jawo in The Gambia has three particular memories. The moments I will remember are really not such good moments, says Samba. One is the poor attendance of spectators in the stadiums. It was only the home team that got the huge crowds when they were playing. I think CAF needs to look in on that the next time that Egypt are to host the AFCON. Second for me is the moment when Ghana were denied a very clear goal against Tunisia, the referee claiming that it was a handball, but replays had shown the ball never touched the hand of the player. And I think if VAR had been introduced earlier in the tournament, it would have been better. And thirdly, for me, that moment of Mahrez's goal in the last minute of the game against Nigeria. He reminded us what a great player he is. It was an absolutely great goal. And uh, talking of the disallowed goal for the Black Stars that Samba mentioned there, here's Dela Akafia, who is in Ghana. It has been an AFCON full of surprises, says Adela, where many could testify that the teams that were doing very well were eliminated in the second group stage. That Ghana's clean goal wasn't taken shows that AFCON in general has a question mark over it in the aspect of goal monitoring and the introduction of VAR and other stuff. But it all happened for good. We give thanks and praise to God, says Della. Adam Umar Muhammad in Nigeria says, For me, the spirit that Madagascar showed, I will remember for years. And I think many will agree with you on that, Adam. Abrima Manchester in the Gambia says, Kenya versus Tanzania game for me was the most enjoyable game. Yes, that was a great advert for football, wasn't it? With the Harambee Stars eventually winning 3-2. And we've already heard from Ida earlier about the impact of that result in Kenya, even today, several weeks later. Bakari Jatta in The Gambia says, For me, it was Mars's last-minute goal against Nigeria. Yes, uh, that was the amazing free kick that uh, Samba Jaro also mentioned just now. And uh, Oyedokun Kabir in Nigeria also says, That's Nigeria against Algeria game. And Bobby Brown in The Gambia also agrees, I can remember the late goal that Algeria scored to beat Nigeria, says Bobby. And Bobby continues, but I'm really disappointed on the turnout of fans at most of the matches. Yes, and that's uh, another point that we've covered already today, Bobby. I think we all agree that CAF needs to do some serious thinking there and take action about that uh, for future editions. And uh, finally, Mohamed Dahaba in The Gambia says, Igalo being the top scorer and Egypt, the host nation, being knocked out by an average South African team. Truly speaking, these are my moments to remember in years to come. Well, thank you to all of you who've been in touch with us. And I'm sure that everyone's got their own ideas on AFCON 2019 and their own particular memories and highlights. But for now, we've come to the end of our podcast series of Egyptian Dream. I'd like to thank you for your company with us throughout the whole of AFCON 2019. It's been great to have you with us, sharing your thoughts and coming with us on the journey.
Uh, so from Solomon Izang Shoms and from Ida Waringa, from Tom Ellis and from Liam Flint, who presented some of these editions from Egypt earlier in the series, and from myself, Adrian Barnard, thanks very much for your company today. Don't forget that you can listen to Planet Sport Football Africa every week on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and on many radio stations across the continent. Steve Vickers, your regular presenter on Planet Sport Football Africa, and he'll be presenting the program at the end of this week as i say you can get that from the planet sport football africa free app so if you're listening to egyptian dream on that app now you can just go straight back to that app for planet sport football africa bringing you news of football across africa and african players playing overseas that's with steve vickers every week here so thank you for your company on egyptian dream and egyptian dream is a planet sport football africa production for passion for sport.